Hi, and welcome to Soul Powerful Parables, stories of rhyme, reason, and God's truth. I'm your host, Dana Buck. Thanks for listening. And if you like the story, please consider subscribing and give us a five-star rating where you enjoy your podcasts. It really helps us. We'd also love to hear from you, so contact us on Facebook at Soul Powerful Parables. Now, settle in, and let's have a story. The Dark Hedges, a So Powerful Parable by Dana Buck. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23 verse 1 through 4. This Irish parable reveals the hidden blessings to be found when we confront our fears. The Dark Hedges, a so powerful parable by Dana Buck. In a quiet stand of willows just beyond the curving lane, a house of thatch and stone resides in no way poor or plain. It looks to be a setting for a fairy tale or fable, with tapered chimney, half-cut door, and scrolled artistic gables. The molding on the window panes, crisscrossed and painted white, form shining little diamonds when the sun hits them just right. Our glimpse into the cottage of the family Kilgarren has brought us to the smiling face of little Katie Aaron. She leans into the brightness with her arms upon the sill to take the morning's measure while she banishes the chill. Her eyes are fine and granite gray with darkened flecks and streaks, as are the many freckles all across her nose and cheeks. Amber-orange curls abound in masses rarely seen, gathered in a ribbon, black and trimmed Celtic green. Now with the sunlight beckoning and golden shafts and bands, she hears impatient bleeding from her flock of ewes and lambs. So Katie Aaron takes her staff with open curving end and flips the latch upon the gate where one and all are penned. Then down the rutted country road worn deep by carts with kegs, go Katie Aaron and her sheep like woolly clouds with legs. She finds a shady hillock where this sunny day they'll pass. From here she can watch over this entire expanse of grass. Where she sits is peaceful, lacking worry or insistence. But that feeling fades when she regards what stretches in the distance. For bordering the pasture on the meadow's western edges loom large foreboding barriers, the sinister dark hedges. Thick and massive, this old vegetation grows, and taller than her dog could reach, though up on tippy toes. She hosts a nervous shudder, 
neck and shoulders feel the palm. She thinks about the stories heard since she was wee small. When home was bathed in shadows from a fire low and dim, and Da would light his pipe and speak in whispered tones of him. He lives within the ruin of a tower in its bowels, a place not fit for man, but fair and fine for rats and owls. No one speaks his name, he said. Tis bad luck to be spoken. He's worms for hair, a massy beard, and all his teeth are broken. A face to stop the village clock, his breath smells of a hound. And when he walks with arms unslung, his knuckles drag the ground. Up and down the crumbling stairway, fear and dread are sired, as he's followed by the wailing of the souls that he's acquired. This is why, my daughter, I describe these ghastly sketches, so you are sure to know to never trespass those dark hedges. He'd lean back in his chair and brush tobacco from his knees, while Mother boldly branded him a fibber and a tease. Katie, she would ponder what this dreadful tale alleges, wondering at the truth behind those baleful dark hedges. Silly da, <laughs> she says, and plucks a daisy from the grass, telling scary stories to his precious little ass. Well, I know he weaves his tales, so I won't wonder where I shouldn't. And with success, for even if I could go there, I wouldn't. She weighs those distant hedges one last time with wary eye, then lays back in the grass to turn her gaze upon the sky. She didn't mean to do it, didn't mean to fall asleep, but hypnotized she was by sky and breeze and grass and sheep. Waking with a start as robins sing a trilling song, she has a nagging feeling that some tiny thing is wrong. She gazed across the flock, her anxiousness and worry mounting, for Katie Aaron had a little problem in her counting. Thrice she did the tally without altering the sum. It was clear she had two fugitives, and they were on the run. Leaving peace and quiet in that place upon the grass, Katie Aaron rises, for she has to find them fast. She looked along the road, then in the clover to the south, traced the running brook down to its shallow, yawning mouth, combed the rocky outcrop jutting slightly to the east, yet still she had no sighting of their soft and verdant fleece. Feeling fair defeated in her so far futile quest, this only left one option, the dark hedges to the west. She moves in that direction, crosses quickly o'er the glade, to stand beneath the hedges in their still and airless shade. Pacing in her worry, Katie pauses in mid-stride, when a sound is carried to her coming from the other side. Faintly she can hear them, and her shrunken heart expands at the tender, distant bleeding of her precious little lambs. But exhilaration flounders as her apprehension fledges, for now she knows she must traverse those frightening dark hedges. 
Edging on despair, she stops, her eyes lock in and bore on a faint, distinctive line she hadn't noticed there before. The hairs upon her neck rise up, they tingle good and all, for there a narrow passage slants into the leafy wall. She peers into the cut, tis no more broad than she is wide. She'll need to scuttle sideways if she wants to go inside. And even if she could advance her way into the dim, waiting on the other side of this ordeal, it's him. Ringing hands and sweaty brow, shrill voices start their chorus. Run away, it is not your fault. Don't do this thing before us. And then another intonation speaks into her mind, not piercing like the others. This one's low, calm, and fine. And in resplendent tones that cast all others to the deep, it simply says, We shepherds always rescue our lost sheep. Courage overwhelms and stills all fears her mind can dredge, and with a final soothing breath, she slips into the hedge. Sunlight disappears as reaching branches poke her nose, and leaves like brittle fingers tug on apron, hair, and hose. It's silent as the grave, the only sound her snagging curls as everything condenses in this dark, imposing world. She checks her rising panic by remembering a tale, a rascal name of Jonah, who was swallowed by a whale. If God can see a man, she thinks, inside of Moby Dick, then what have I to fear within this hedge of leaf and stick? She almost laughs out loud. In mirth or jitters, who can know? but she gains a surge of fortitude from ribbon down to toe. Moving ever faster as the branches scratch and rub, she seeks the light just like a thirsty man pursues the pub. Heedless of her dress and stockings, tangled, snagged, and torn, she emerges fairly panting like a baby being born. She thanks the Lord above with grateful prayers and fervent pledges then stops to take a measure of the land beyond the hedges. The grass grows wild in bunches, bent and swaying in the breeze. It's treeless, and the airy height reveals the distant seas. And there, just like a tombstone, standing on the slope alone, an ancient crumbling tower made of mortar, slate, and stone. The sight propels her back a step and makes her catch a gasp. The tower and dust tails, she cries, her voice a whispered rasp. Gray and round and looming, mighty walls now half decayed, a doorway dark and leading into where nightmares are made. Just then a sudden movement interrupts her keen regret. She sees two lambs a-grazing there like fluffy silhouettes. She kneels with care beside them, speaks a loud and soothing tone. You fluffy troublemakers, tis past time I took you home. She moves to hold and lift them as they come within her reach. Tis then from in the tower she perceives a plaintive screech. 
It's high up in the ruin, and all she can do is freeze, as several more high-wailing notes cascade upon the breeze. She hearkens to what Da had said about imprisoned spirits. All along he's right, she thought, for plainly, I can hear it. Her legs have turned to jelly as she kneels there on the ground and prepares to meet her maker, so distressing is the sound. Then spilling from the doorway of this hellish habitat, she's nuzzled and surrounded by at least a dozen cats. Surprise was so complete you could have brained her with a feather. The milling mass of felines purred all intertwined together. Oh my, said Katie Aaron. You're not spirits to be dreaded. Just soft and friendly kitties, wanting only to be petted. As ears and backs and tops of heads were coddled, smoothed, and scratched, within the ruin came a sound, a door being unlatched. The groaning of reluctant hinges echoes from the depths, soon followed by the slow, distinctive sound of falling steps. In her mind she sees him, worms a-wiggling in his hair, knuckles dully thudding as he drags them down the stairs. Eyes now shut as tightly as a boxer's ready fist, Katie Aaron hears a voice say, Well now, who is this? She slightly lifts her left eyelid, then widely now her right. Relief comes with a startled look. It's such a novel sight. The man within the doorway is as wide as he is tall. And that's no epic feat, for he is truly wee and small. His cheeks are red and rosy, old clay pipe he puffs upon. Rocking on his heels, he seems the perfect leprechaun. His beard, no moss within it, is a band most neatly trimmed. Can this fine trouser, woolen-coated, derbied man be him? Oh, I'm sorry, sir, to trespass. Tis a naughty thing I've done. But these misbehaving woolies got it in their heads to run. Oh, I heard their wistful blatin coming yonder from the hedge. And I found a little passageway through which I just could wedge. He listened to her speak with what appeared concealed laughter. This only made her nervous, which compelled her talking faster. "'Twas really very scary in that giant sticker bush. The branches fairly grab you, and you have to tug and push. I've snagged my Sunday stockings, or my mother will explode. You'll likely hear the scolding, though my home's way up the road. I'm sorry if I bore you with my whining and my wooing. And now that I've reclaimed my lambs, I really should be going. This time his laughter did escape. He smiled and out it came. That's quite a gripping story, lass. Please tell me, what's your name? Paired in my poor manner, sir. Tis Catherine E. Kilgarren. Though Mother Daw and all my friends, they call me Katie Erin. Tis very nice to meet you, Katie Erin. And he bowed. And I am Patrick Oliver O'Shaughnessy MacLeod. My, oh my, she commented. Tis quite a mouthful, that. You've nearly got as many names, it seems, as you do cats. Aye, I do, he said. Like me, they've come here and retired. What do you call them? She then asked. Your kitties? She inquired. He straightened up, removed his hat, and spoke without restraint. 
I'm pleased, Miss Katie Aaron, to acquaint you with the saints. Over there's St. Christopher, beyond him is St. Urban, there's St. Maurice and St. Bernard, the patron saint of Bourbon, St. Ignatius, St. Jerome, St. Luke, and St. Armand, St. Bridget, blessed of Ireland, St. Paul, St. Mark, St. John. He crossed himself, replaced his hat, and said, Oh, dearie me, what kind of host am I? He cried. Please join me for some tea. In the tower? She inquired. Her eyes grew large and wide. Why, no, he chuckled. That's not home. Tis on the other side. So round the crumbling tower, to a cottage neat and nice, they walked accompanied by the lambs and all the saints of Christ. As Patrick filled the kettle, Katie Aaron was enthralled by the framed exotic posters that adorned the cottage walls. Dancing horses, elephants, and fearsome jungle cats, along with those on high trapeze and tumbling acrobats. But mostly her regard, it seemed, was focused on and found in the images and fine renditions hanging there of clowns. I love your posters. Charm, she cried. Why, thank you, lass, said he. You see the one-third from the left? That little clown, tis me. You were in the circus? Katie Aaron was delighted. I've never been, but Dawes told me tales of it, she cited. For nigh on fifty years, he said, I was a circus man, traveling round to London, Paris, Brussels, Amsterdam. The sights, the smells, the sounds, he crooned. Yes, truly, I've been blessed, and the laughter of the children. Twas the part that I love best. He brought a little teapot and some cookies where she sat. They talked of lambs and circuses and castle walls and cats. Sheepishly, she told him of her Dawes fantastic yarns. But Patrick wasn't angry. He seemed entertained and charmed. I'd love to hear your da tell tales, to weave them and repeat them. Perhaps your folks would come to tea. Oh, I'd surely like to meet them. They made a date for Tuesday next, and Patrick wrote a note. A formal invitation Katie Aaron home would tote. They left the house together, trailing cats and lambs at play, then stopped and stood a moment just outside the passageway. Catherine E. Kilgaren, twas a lark, he said aloud. My pleasure. Patrick Oliver O'Shaughnessy McCloud. She curtsied and he bowed, then Katie Aaron fair decreed. Well, I've got lambs to tender on, and you've got saints to feed. And feed them well, I will, he bowed. You have my solemn pledge. As a smiling Katie Aaron and her lambs slipped through the hedge. The balance of our tale I'll tell succinctly and compact, for home they safely ventured, the entire flock intact. Dawes worry and concern at what she'd done and where she'd gone were surely muted by the note that Patrick sent along. And friendship, full and sweet, began and bloomed in all respects when Katie Aaron's family went for tea that Tuesday next. So what can we consider from this little girl's adventure? 
to stop and face the things that seek to capture and indenture, walking, trusting in the way that only faith provides may lead us to the hidden blessings on the other side. So, listen to the voice that stills what fear and doubt alleges. It may offer us the courage to pass through our own dark hedges. Are you a worrier? I hate to admit it, but I am. Even though I know so very well the promises of God to count every trial a joy, James 1, verse 2 through 4, that all things work together for good, Romans 8, verse 28, and that worry won't add one day to my life, Matthew 6, verse 27. It can be frustrating when our emotions don't align with what we know to be true and what our heart believes. The fact is, worry is just a byproduct of our real enemy, fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 tells us, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This means when the emotion of fear seeks to paralyze us and keep us from moving forward, a sound mind grounded in the power of God's love can enable us to overcome that joy-stealing emotion and as is often the case, unexpected blessings of obedience await us beyond the dark hedges of our fear and worry. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. The Dark Hedges was written and narrated by Dana Buck. Additional voices were provided by Madison McCarthy and Jordan Miles. Devotional thoughts were narrated by Kim Pratt, and this episode was produced by Beneath Blue Skies Productions. So Powerful Parables is a ministry of So Powerful, a nonprofit organization dedicated to empowering women and girls and combating extreme poverty in the African country of Zambia. To find out more, visit our website at sopowerful.org. Also, check out our books, So Powerful Parables and We Are So Powerful, both available on Amazon. All proceeds from the sale of these books go to support the work of our ministry. And finally, check out our other podcast, The So Powerful Podcast, featuring interviews with those who have been touched by this special organization. Until next time, May your life always be filled with beautiful rhymes. <laughs>